The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about getting ahead of God. We do that sometimes, and uh, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 2. And last week we started a a series uh, uh, on the life of Moses. Uh, We examined how Amram and Jacobed, the parents of Moses, passed on a a heritage of faith onto their children. And uh, the time came that they had to hand their son over to Pharaoh, uh, or the daughter of Pharaoh. And according to Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Am I a little too loud this morning, y'all think? Okay, I can kind of hear myself coming off that back wall. Uh, so I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> uh, just kidding. And So let's know, Exodus 2.10, The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called him Moses, saying, Because I drew him up out of the water. When Moses was weaned, uh, if you were here last week, we talked about that process, and he was taken to the household of Pharaoh, and uh, where he was raised as the son of a princess. That's how he was raised. That's his life. She named the boy Moses, which was rooted in the event of her finding him, and they found her there in the found Moses there in the reeds. And I want you to listen to what she named him. The, the meaning of that name is to be drawn out. So that's what she gave Moses the name. Now, I think that's interesting because uh, really what Moses ends up doing through his life is he, he leads out or he draws out the people of, of uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. So I think it's interesting that from his very beginning, uh, a, a secular princess uh, names him a name that I believe God, God had for him and through the direction of the Holy Spirit God led her to name him Moses and one that would be drawing out and, and, and that she drew him out. God given, God's given parents or God's, uh, the, the parents of Moses the, that, that God gave Moses, uh, they, they got more than they could ever ask for or imagine. If you remember what we talked about last week, the, uh, the boys born there to the Israelites during this time, they were to be killed, they were to be thrown into the Nile and... Uh, and God opened this door, not only was his life spared, and not only was he going to be protected, he was going to be protected by the princess, Pharaoh's own daughter. I'm just slobbering away up here. And uh, not only his own daughter, he was uh, going to be allowed to keep him and train him up in the house, up in the Pharaoh's house. And, and uh, before that happens... He's, he was allowed to train under his parents. So and that's what we talked about last week, about passing on <coughs> excuse me, that heritage of faith and how God opened the door for him to be, be brought up in his home. He was brought up by his mother and by his father. He was nursed by his mother. He was taught by his mother. And on top of that, he, they were paid to do all those things. So what a gracious God we serve to realize and to start seeing his... His plans. Now, here's the interesting thing. Between Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, that says the child grew up and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son, from that verse and verse 11, 40 years passes. 
So there's a big gap in there. Nearly 40 years are passed, and, and it's all silence. We don't know much about what happened during that time frame. We left off with Moses as a baby, and now we see him as adult just all of a sudden. In verse 11, he's an adult, but in those intervening years, there are several facts that we need to know and we need to understand. There are some things in Scripture that we can find that about the life of Moses. Stephen, in his account before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, it tells us, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his works and in his deeds. Moses was raised as an Egyptian prince. He had it all. That's important to remember. He, he was raised in the, the king's palace. He was just like the king's son. And he was raised up in that environment. And it says here, as we think about what, what Stephen is saying, he must have had a remarkable education in the courts of Pharaoh. Matter of fact, if you go and study this, more than likely he was, he was educated in what was called the Temple of the Sun, which would kind of be like our Oxford University today. It was, a, it was the university of the time. It was the greatest university there that, that someone could go and someone could learn from. He would have studied various sciences, different sciences, different mathematics he would have been trained in. He would have had astronomy and chemistry and medicine and religion and philosophy and the law. So he was raised in that environment. Matter of fact, when we read those words, he was mighty in his deeds, it seems to indicate that he even had some military experience while his upbringing. And if you go and read, there's a historian named Josephus in his book called Iniquities of the Jews, Antiquities of the Jews. He gives an account that by the time Moses was 30, he led a, a battle and defeated the Ethiopians who was attacking Egypt. So Moses is, is leading out in battles. He's been educated. He has all the fineries of life there where he's, leaving, where he's living. But preceding the events of verse, uh, verse 11 there, we're back in Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to be jumping around between Acts and Exodus and Hebrews, so several different passages of Scripture. But back uh, in verse 11, well, actually, we're not going to 11 first. We're going to Hebrews chapter... Uh, I don't even think I got the chapter written down. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verse 24 through 26. Now, I've kind of rambled around here a little bit. Moses, between verse 10 and verse 11, look what happens. And this is according to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather... He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Now, I just want to stop for just a brief second and look at that phrase. He chose to suffer the afflictions with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Folks, that's the key verse right there because the pleasures of sin are just a passing by. And so often there's consequences that follow those passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach, this is verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, he looked to the reward. So what that basically said is, there came a time in Moses' life when he said, you know what, I realize that really who I am, 
I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite, and, and I recognize that, and I recognize that I'm enjoying all of these things in the, in the princes, as a prince, I'm enjoying all these things in, in Pharaoh's court and in his castle, and I'm enjoying all of these things, but these passing pleasures of sin, they're only temporary, and I need to look to Christ, for he has greater riches for me. So Moses come to that point of some time of realizing that he was to be Israel's deliverer. Now, we don't have all the accounts of that like we do over when it talks about Paul. Paul had this, this great testimony of what happened to him, but we don't see all that in Moses. But just reading Scripture here, we realize that Moses comes to understand that. I'm to be Israel's deliverer. And as he begins to understand those things, he realizes there's a divine calling upon his life. And because of that divine calling he begins to make some different decisions about how he needs to move forward. That's what we read right there in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. The decision that Moses made was truly remarkable. I mean, if we could really put ourselves where he was at, I won't just think about the, 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 a, a, a castle somewhere or a, the, 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 the biggest house and the, the finest things you could have. Think about Moses is there. That's where he's living. That's what he's enjoying, the, the finest things in life. But all of a sudden, he makes this remarkable decision that God has set him aside for something greater. That God has set him aside, and even though Moses was schooled in all the knowledge of the Egyptians, and even though he had all of this, this, this understanding that he received, Moses had a lot to learn yet. And we're going to see that this morning. There would be a time when he would know the ways of the Lord. He, he, he knew the ways of the Pharaoh. He was educated. He had military experience. He had all of this knowledge. But he really didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Lord. He was full of his own ways. Now, I want you to listen to that. Moses was full of his own ways, his own ideals. He knew God had something for him. But he had his own ideals. He was rash. He was impatient. He was headstrong. That's, that's who Moses was. And when you put all of those things together in his own self-energy, Moses saying, all right, I'm going to be Israel's deliverer. I have this energy, and I'm going to move forward. But when you do those things, you're headed for trouble. Remember what I said this morning? We're, we're talking about getting ahead of God. So I want to take up this biblical account of, of Moses' life, starting in verse 11. Now, it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Remember, he's raised, he's, a, he's an Egyptian prince, but he's really not. So he really looks out and he, he looks at the children of Israel, and he recognizes they're his brethren, and he looked at their burdens... And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So, verse 11 in the in text, there's a stage for a coming event. This is something that's fixing to happen. This is setting up what's fixing to happen when Moses was grown. According to Acts chapter 7, 23, Moses was 40 years old when it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So, for 40 years, he's been here with Pharaoh. At 40 years old, it comes into his heart that he's going to go and he's going to visit his brethren. He's going to go and see what's taking apart. A later part of that verse says he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and saw the Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. 
when Moses saw this abuse, when he saw what was going on, how his, uh, his brethren were oppressed and his fellow Hebrews there was, was uh, going out and was, 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 uh, was abusing those, those children of Israel, the Bible paints this picture, his heart went out to them. And he, he saw their need for a deliverer. He saw their need for someone that would help them. And he desperately wanted to help them. Now, I'm saying all these things because I want you to get the picture of this. Moses is wanting to do something for God. He's wanting to do something for the children of Israel. And all of a sudden, one day, he sees this Egyptian taskmaker, and he takes one of, the, one of the Hebrew slaves, and, and he can't stand it any longer because he's beating on him. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, this is Acts 7, 24. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended, and he avenged him who was oppressed. And he struck down the Egyptian. So he's looking there, he sees this, uh, this taskmaster, he's beating one of the Hebrew children, he, he gets mad about it, he goes and he kills him. Well, we all know that story. He, he looked this way, he looked that way. You know, when we look at this story, it's tempting for us to think that Moses is there and he's looking there at all the, the, the slave labor that's going on and he, something catches his eye and he sees this uh, this Egyptian beating his Hebrew child, and he just goes into a fit and runs over there and kills him. But if you really look at what Scripture says, this was kind of pre-planned. In other words, I think Moses had looked, and, and he, he decided, hey, you know what, I, I need to put together a plan. Because I, after all, I'm Israel's deliverer. So he looks around, and the Scripture says that he kind of had a preconceived ideal. Look at verse 12 again. It says, he looked this way, and he looked that way, and he saw no one. So he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So what did he do? He, he kind of looked around. He, he was walking out there, and he, he thought, well, I don't see anybody over there, and this Egyptian's out here by himself, and I don't, I don't see anybody over there. I think I'm going to get him. See, he, he kind of he thought that process out. The problem is he, he looked this way and he looked that way, but, but he never looked up to God. He, he never thought, well, wait a minute, what's God has to say about this? I want to help. And, and the problem is so often when we look around this way and we look around this way and we fail to look up to what God has for us, we get out of timing with God. All of a sudden, that's what Moses did. He's, he's out of God's time, and he's, he's trying to do what God wants him to do, but he's doing it in his own power. He's doing it in his own time frame. He, he's doing it with his own ideal, and that's the problem. You see, what God has for our lives, if they're not happening fast enough for us, all of a sudden we think we, we become a little anxious, and we say, well, I'm going to give God a hand. I know God has something for me, I think this must be it, so I'm just going to jump out there and do it on my own. Now, folks, we do that. If we want to serve the Lord, we think, well, well, Jake, that's great, isn't it? I mean, you told us last week we need to have a plan. And, and uh, Jacob bet she had a plan. But if you read that, what, her plan was what? In God's timing. In God's timing, when we, when we have a plan, then we, all of a sudden we can move out. And we can allow God to lead, lead us, and we don't have to rely on our own understanding and our own thoughts. We can allow God to lead us. But, but this operation deliverance that Moses decided that he would put together, uh, he was energized by his flesh. 
not by the Spirit of God. And we can read that in the Scripture. And, and Moses comes and he, he hides the person in the sand. I, I think that probably means he dug a shallow grave. And he, he hid the body there. Just think about what that's saying there. He, he hid the body there. I was reading this morning in Numbers chapter 32, and the Scripture's not going to be up here today, but, but it talks about those who sinned against God. And listen to what it says. Be sure your sin will find you out. God said, listen, you start sinning, you're not going to hide it long. You can dig a hole in the sand and you can throw it in there and you can cover it up and look around and make sure nobody's seen it, but be sure your sin's going to find you out. And God told His people that. Listen to what Charles Wendall said about this. Neglecting to ask God's counsel, neglecting to seek God's timing, you step out to handle things And by and by, you've got a mess on your hands. You're stuck with a corpse and a shovel in your hands and a shallow grave at your feet. See, Moses' intentions, they were right. Moses' plan, that's that's where God wanted him. But his timing and his methods, they were all wrong. And that's, that's the significant thing here. When we get out of step with the plans that God has for us, All of a sudden, as Chuck Swindoll says, we're left with a a mess on our hands and a corpse and a shovel at the end of a shallow grave. God will not bless what He's not designed. Look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 13. And then He went out on the second day, and behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And He said to the one... Who did the wrong? Let me back up and read that again. And he went out the second day, and behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one, Who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? And verse 14 said, Then he said, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as though you kill the Egyptian? Y'all get a thought of this. What a terrible put down. Think about this. Now, this wasn't an Egyptian saying this. This was one of the Hebrew children. This is one of the what would be Israelites. And Moses steps in. He says, you know what? I'm large and in charge. I, I, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing this for God, and, and I'm going to run ahead. May, I may not be on God's timetable, but I'm large and in charge. He sees a couple of, of these Hebrew children fighting there. He just intervenes and goes up, and they said, wait a minute, who died and left you in charge? You know what I think they may have been thinking? Hey, Moses, you've been raised up in that castle for 40 years. Now all of a sudden you're coming out here going to help us? Now all of a sudden you're going to come defend us? Are you just going to knock us down and kill us as you did the Egyptian? Back to Acts chapter 7, 25 gives this commentary. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand that. See, what it's saying there in Acts is what Moses' thoughts were, hey, they saw me kill this Egyptian. Surely they know I want the best for them. Surely they know God's going to use me to deliver them. But according to Scripture, they did not understand that. 
Instead of understanding that, he's trying to stop a fight there. And, and they say, hey, we, we don't want your help. You're not our leader. You're not who we want to be. And, and all of a sudden, I think Moses realized, my secret's out. Behold, your sin will find you out. I think Moses realized that, and, and his secret was out, and he was afraid because he knew that Pharaoh would find out shortly if he didn't already know. Now, if we go back to what we looked at just a while ago, and we, we begin to think about what Moses said and what he's done, and, and realizing that he's already turned his, his allegiance from Pharaoh, from Egyptians, and said, you know, no, I'm no longer going to be called your king. All of a sudden, Moses reminded of those things. Look at verse 14. So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. It appears that Moses was right because verse 14 says, Then Pharaoh heard of this matter, and he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down there by well. Now, don't get ahead of me. If you've studied this story of Moses, you kind of know where we're headed. And we're not going to get there today, of course. Because what I am really want us to think, and we're kind of laying some groundwork, is really thinking about how we run ahead of God sometimes. God has a plan for us. God has a purpose for us. And all of a sudden, we're running ahead of God. As I already said, the the, uh, the Pharaoh must have knew, you know, that uh, Moses made his decision to reject uh, uh, being an Egyptian, his upbringing, and then he sees this big, gross display of unthankfulness, ungratefulness as he goes and he kills one of the uh, Egyptian officials, and, and he decides the only thing I can do is just kill him. I mean, I'm just going to wipe him out. If you uh, come on Wednesday nights, and we've been reading through the Bible, and we're up into Second Kings now, it wasn't nothing for a king to kill somebody, was it? I mean, they'd do it at the drop of a hat. It didn't matter who they were and whose family they were. So this wasn't just an empty threat. Moses understood that, hey, this king's going to kill me. This pharaoh's going to kill me. And he was terrified. And think about in his mind. I want you to try to put yourself there. What must he have been thinking? I mean, I'm raised up. God has given me a miraculous childhood. My parents have raised me up in faith and understanding of faith. And I've got that heritage of faith. And I feel like God has made me the deliverer of his children. And, and here I've put my plan in motion. And look what's happened. He flees out to the land of Midian. And think about in his mind. He had to think, this is over for me. My, my purpose is through. I failed God. He had a plan for me. He had a direction for my life, and, and all of a sudden, I've messed up. I've goofed all the plans up. I've done went and murdered a man. I tried to hide it. Now all my brethren know what happens. Now the house of Pharaoh, they all know what happened. I've got to go out here and hide out. I'm going to go stick my head in the sand. I'm going to go hide from everybody. He flees out into the desert. He sits down, surely imagining that God would never use him again. Don't you know that's what he thought? I want to ask you, have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Hey, I look back over my life, and I fell God here and there, and I made a bad decision here and there, and you know, surely God won't use me anymore. I mean, I've failed him too many times. I've done too many things. That had to be where Moses was at. 
We're going to learn next week about, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it Desert U, Desert University. We're going, to, we're going to look at how God trained up Moses in uh, the, the Desert University. That's, that's going to be something, but when it comes to this, when we, when we come to the end of our self-esteem, when we come to the point of realizing that, that only God can direct us in our lives, at that point, we begin to understand it's not about us. It's not about what we can do. It's not about our power. It's about God's power. And it's about what God has to do. We can't push hard enough. We can't manipulate people long enough. We can't try hard enough to be successful outside of God. Listen to what it says in Psalms 40:16. Cease striving and know that I am God. In other words, be still. Quit pushing. Quit striving to do something and just recognize, I'm God. And I have a plan for you. F.B. Myers, I think probably some of you heard me speak about him. He wrote this assessment about this. Such experiences come to all of us. We rush forward thinking to carry all before us. We strike a few blows in vain, and we're staggered with disappointment, and we reel back, and we're afraid at the first breath of human disapproval. Do you hear that? Boy, the first breath of human disapproval, we're afraid. And we flee from the scenes of our discomfort to hide ourselves in chagrin. Then we're hidden in the secret of God's presence from the pride of man. And there, our vision clears, and the split drops from our currents of life, and our self-life dies down, and our spirit drinks from the river of God, which is full of water, and our faith begins to grasp his arm and to be the channel for the manifestation of his power. And thus at last we emerge to be his hand to lead out an exodus. What F.B. Meyer was saying is when we put ourselves aside and when we quit pushing and and looking for man's approval and, and going ahead of God, when we finally resist that and when we finally come before God and we finally humble ourselves from God, Then all of a sudden we take a hold of his arm and we begin to emerge as one who could lead an exodus. Well, this morning, what's all this about? There's three things that I want us to close with this morning as we think about what's the application here? How do do we put all these together? After Moses returned from from the exile in the desert of Midian years later, he was a different man. The first is this, we learn through failure, don't we? Think about that. All of life, we learn through failure. Whether it's riding a bicycle, whether it's riding a skateboard. You know, when I was a kid, we, we had a skateboard. This was before skateboarding was popular. And it, that thing was about four foot long. And we lived on a street that had a pretty good slope. And me and my sister and my mama would all three get on that same skateboard, <laughs> and we would ride that thing. And, uh, boy, do you know how many times we failed at that? 
if you've never tried that, uh, you know, you all three had to work together. If one of you leaned one way and one of you leaned the other, you failed. But, but we learned through that. We learned that, hey, you, you've got to try this and you've got to try that. And, and if this doesn't work, we, 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 if you start walking, if you're riding a bicycle, if you're uh, climbing a ladder, you, you begin to learn through your failures. So this morning, if you're sitting here and, and you say, you know what, I failed God. I've tried this and I've tried and I've failed over and over and over. Think about this. You learn from your failures. That's how we're educated and apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That's not my word. Listen to what it says in John 15, 5. I am the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. That's the truth, folks. Yeah, we may fail God, but you know what? He has a plan. And if we abide in Him, we're going to bear much fruit. But apart from Him, we're going to be a failure. 1 Samuel 2.9, this is taken from Hannah's prayer. She says this, For by strength no man shall prevail. It's not our strength. But God's strength, that's the first application. We learn by our failure, no matter how bad our failure might be. Here's the second. God teaches us through our failures, and we're capable of terrible things, but He can still use us to fulfill His purpose. That's what we learn through those. We're capable of some terrible things, folks. Moses murdered a guy. King David murdered a guy. I mean, if we would say today, well, I'm, Jake, you don't know how much I felt. Have you ever murdered somebody and hit them in the sand? Don't tell me. <laughs> But have you? I mean, that, that's what Moses did. That's what David did. He, he sent a guy to the front battle lines to be murdered because he had an affair with his wife. <laughs> but you know what the Bible says about David? It says he was somebody after God's own heart. Folks, we learn we're, we're capable of some terrible things if we persist in our own ways. Here's the third application, hiding our wrongs doesn't ease the wrong. It only postpones their discovery. When we hide our wrong, it, it doesn't ease it. It only postpones the, the discovery. According to Exodus 12:2, Moses hid the body of the Egyptian in the sand, and by the very next day, his deed was known. His sin had found him out. When we've done some wrong, it's our very instinct to deny it, isn't, you? isn't it? I'm going to give you all one more story. You all get tired of my stories, I imagine. But I was a kid, and Mama cooked some cookies. And uh, it had a glass lid on it. And kids are dumb, aren't they? So me and a friend of mine went into the kitchen, and we got the lid off the cookie jar. And we put the lid on there and got some cookies. And Mama said, are y'all in those cookies? What was the nature of our conversation? What did we say? No, Mama, we're not in the cookies. Well, it took me years to figure out how she could sit in the living room and knew if I was in the cookie jar. But in that rattling lid, it's our first human instinct to deny it, to excuse it, and to rationalize it. And then try to explain it away. I remember this story not from my memory, but from her saying, I told you not to get in the cookie jar. And we said, Mama, there was a fly in the cookie jar. <laughs> 
And she said, I think that fly's name was Jakey and Tanya. <laughs> no, Mama, there was a fly in there. We were just letting a fly out. I mean, that's from our, that's from our very beginning. We learned to make excuses. We learned to, we learned to excuse it and rationalize and explain it away. But here's what we learned looking at Moses. The best and the only real way to handle a situation is just fess up. Just fess up. Just, just call failure, failure. Just call sin, sin. And just admit to God, hey, I was wrong. God, I failed in this area. And, and I was wrong. And I, 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 can't, I can't deny it. I can't, confuse, I can't uh, excuse it. I can't rationalize it. I can't explain it away. God, I was wrong. And I want you to use me in spite of me. When we look at Moses, he botched up things in his own life so much that he must have thought he would never be used by God. Listen to this, and this is where we're closing. His name is mentioned. Let's just have a let's just jump out here. How many times do you think Moses' name is mentioned in Scripture? Somebody just guess a number. It's not a million or nothing, but you know, sixty times. 40, anybody else, 100, anybody else, 700 times Moses' name is mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> this is Moses, who we just saw murder a man and bury him and flee out to the desert to hide from his deeds, to hide from his actions, but 700 times He's mentioned in the Bible. There's not a man in all the Old Testament that was more mighty and more used than Moses. Through his failure, he learned that God had a bigger plan for him and a bigger plan in his life. And if Moses can rise up from his failure, how much more can you and I? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And Father, I thank you that we can see that you have a plan for those you call and for those that respond. And Father, we know from the day we were born that you saw us, our unformed bodies, and you had a plan for us. And Father, like Moses, sometimes with a great upbringing even, we get off path and we start doing things in our own power through our own strength. And we try to manipulate situations and people and we try to make things happen when, Father, you want us just to come to you and work in your timing, under your direction, under your headship. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't simply give up and fall down and, and just stick our head in the sand, but, Father, we would come to you and just admit that we're failures on our own. And that we believe you are our only way and our only deliverer. Father, I pray that we might look at the examples that we've seen today and realize we haven't fallen too far from you. That you won't use us, that you don't desire to use us, and that you can't use us. But Lord, I pray that in our spirit, we'd quit making up excuses. It's explaining away and rationalizing our actions. But, Father, we just come to you and uh, fess up and admit we're out where we are. And, Lord, we know you already know that, but you desire that we would just confess to you. Lord, I pray that we would know that when we confess to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, today as we just think about running ahead of you, I pray that we would just be still in this moment and we would know that you're God. That we would open our hearts to you and we would ask your spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us through this time of decision, through this time of prayer, through this opportunity to come to your altar, through this time to make things right with you. Father, I pray that we would open our hearts and we would allow you to lead and direct us and guide us. And Father, I pray wherever you lead us today, we'll follow and we'll go. In Jesus' name.